No matter if the economy is up or down, healthcare careers continue to grow, especially in management. Stevenson University Online's Master's in Healthcare Management can put your career on a new track, especially for career changers with previous business, HR, or technology backgrounds. Discover new opportunities with our Healthcare Management Master's. No GREs, no application fees, and 100% online. Visit online.stevenson.edu slash healthcare management. Yeah, it's called Conversations with Jeff, not Screaming Matches. Yeah, yeah I, 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 you and I do not agree on Calvinism. But look how nice we are to each other. I think it's going to really shock a lot of people, thrill a lot of people. A lot of people are going to have to do some soul searching. It's like, you know what? What are you doing? You're spending all your time trying to destroy another Christian because you don't understand what's going on. Mm-hmm. When you should be out there winning people for Jesus. Right. Thank you for the job you're doing. Thanks for being willing to address these kind of issues. They're vital to the church. I feel sorry for what's coming your way, but God bless you, man. It's it's a good, healthy conversation, and, and let's keep growing together in the Lord. People won't change unless they hear the truth, though. And so we need to know the truth, uh, speak the truth. And then the last one I would say is that we need to stay in the truth, uh, no matter what the consequences are. Hey everybody, uh, welcome to today's episode of Conversations with Jeffs. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, really quick, uh, just a reminder, go over to Apple Podcasts, subscribe, uh, that way you guys are notified every time we come out with a new episode. Um, and then also just a reminder, we are in pre-orders of our book, Church and State, How the Left Used the Church to Conquer America. We've got a bunch of contrib- great contributing authors to that book, including Pastor Greg Locke, Dr. Michael Brown, Denise McAllister, Pastor Kerry Gordon, uh, Pastor Kim Peters, just a bunch of awesome, great uh, conservative Christian voices really taking a look at the strategic move of the left and uh, the Marxist really infiltrating the church. Because the thing is, is that the church is the last defense against uh, the downfall of our country. So check that out, gatekeepersonline.com slash church and state. Use code Jeff at checkout for a uh, for 10% off, as well as a free ebook, Why I'm Pro-Life by Pastor Sam Jones. So some great resources for you, uh, and it's just it's just another way that we can get something in your hands to really get you guys educated and, and that sort of thing. So uh, really excited about uh, today's episode. We're bringing back Dr. Cal Beisner uh, from the Cornwall Alliance. Uh, Cal, welcome back. Glad we can sit down. And today's going to be an interesting topic, uh, dealing with social justice and everything going on with the election and just society and culture and all that kind of stuff. But Cal, welcome back. I'm glad we could sit down and chat again. Thanks very much. And really, this is an extraordinary time in American history, uh, an extraordinary time in world history. And uh, we have some really, really serious issues at stake in terms of you know, our, our Christian commitments to doing justice, to loving mercy, and to walking humbly with our God. Uh, when we walk into the ballot, uh, into the uh, fill out the ballot, right? Into the ballot booth. Yes. Thank you. Yes. And, and, and unless you're in the state of California where it's practically banned. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yes. 
So yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, and I and I think specifically in 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 2020, um, it's I I think that this issue of dealing with uh, what justice actually is. It, this question, I think, has really exploded because when you when you look at the left yes. and you look at the right, I feel like we have different interpretations. And then also when you look at the secular world versus the Christian world, we have very different views and very different mm-hmm. interpretations, not only of what should we be doing, what's our responsibility, but what even is justice? We can't even agree on, on yeah. a definition. So from your perspective, just so we can get it out there in the open, can you define sure. ju- actual justice for us? That way, at least everybody's like, okay, we're on the same page. Yeah. Yeah, well, as you know, and I, I think you've read it, I, I do this in my booklet, Social Justice Versus Biblical Justice, How Good Intentions Undermine Justice and Gospel. And uh, in there, I give kind of the results of a very, very lengthy study of all the different uses of the Hebrew and Greek words for justice, for righteousness, just, right, claim, law, etc., And in light of all of those, I define biblical justice this way. Justice means rendering impartially and proportionally to everyone his due in accord with the righteous standard of God's moral law. Stevenson University Online is a leader in forensic education for law enforcement, legal, and cyber investigations. If you are preparing for career advancement or career change, investigate our online master's programs in forensic science, CSI, forensic accounting, forensic investigations, and cybersecurity and digital forensics. New online sessions start every eight weeks. No application fee or GRE required. Visit stevenson.edu slash online. Paralegals are highly essential from law firms and courtrooms to insurance, real estate, HR, and more. If a paralegal career or law school is in your future, Stevenson University Online's Bachelor's in Legal Studies will help you achieve your goals affordably with no application fee. 100% online. Approved by the American Bar Association with new online sessions starting every eight weeks. Get started today. Visit stevenson.edu slash paralegal. So that incorporates uh, four criteria. The first is impartiality. We don't play favorites. You know, we apply all the laws equally to all the people in in the relevant circumstances. And uh, the second is proportionality. Uh, Let's see. You don't execute somebody for petty theft, but you don't do a slap on the wrist for first degree murder. Right. Uh, The third is uh, desert. That is, uh, we, we look for what is due to somebody, not for what we happen to wish, uh, not for uh, what we would like to give out of mercy or grace. Uh, and mercy and grace are very good things, but they must not be confused with justice. But justice says, what is deserved here? And that depends on conduct. And you measure that conduct by the moral laws of God, uh, the righteous standard in conformity to which uh, just actions uh, must be. And so you get that summarized, for example, in the Ten Commandments. Uh, And so when we understand that definition of justice, then we can begin to see that what goes by the name of social justice uh, tends to play favorites. It says, okay, we're going to do special things for this group that we're not going to do for that group. Uh, it tends to uh, 
to lack proportionality. Uh, it gives uh, major rewards where none have been earned. It might uh, might mete out punishments where no punishment has been deserved. Uh, and it, it tends to ignore the question of desert. Uh, and finally, it really has a tough time providing standards uh, by which to determine who is due this and who is due that. Uh, so social justice is really, in the end, injustice. It is the exact opposite of justice. As I mentioned, I've discussed this in my booklet, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, social justice versus biblical justice. And the Cornwall Alliance for the Stewardship of Creation, which is the ministry that I lead, uh, will gladly send a free copy of this as our as our way of saying thank you for a uh, 100% tax-deductible donation of literally any size. I mean, it can be as small as somebody wants. I mean, we'd like it to be generous, of course, but uh, literally any size. All the, all the folks need to do is go to cornwallalliance.org. That's cornwallalliance.org. Click on the Donate button, fill out the donation form, and then in the uh, comments field, just write in Social Justice and we will be glad to send a free copy of, of that booklet to them as our thanks. 100% of the gift will still be tax deductible. Yeah, and, and I highly encourage everybody to take advantage of that, and I'll make sure that it's in the in the notes and, and all that kind of stuff for the show, so that way you guys can just click on it and go right there, and you guys can make sure you guys get a copy on that. Because it, it is important that we actually, um, especially as Christians, really dive into this issue, because there's a lot of implications, I feel like. Obviously, in 2020... A lot, a lot of what everybody's focused on specifically is the election, but there's also yeah. the spiritual aspect of this, of dealing with the gospel, and if we don't understand what true biblical justice is, I don't even know if we can truly understand what the, what the gospel is, and I think that that's absolutely. really where this is so vitally important. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, if you read carefully, particularly any of Paul's epistles, but especially, say, the epistle to the Romans or the epistle, the epistle to the Galatians, you know, Paul makes a very, very strong case that our being forgiven by God, our being declared righteous in his sight, that is, our justification uh, hangs not at all on anything that we deserve, anything that we have earned by our good works. It hangs 100% on what Christ has deserved by his good work of perfect obedience to the law, and by his good work of sacrificing himself as our substitute to bear the penalty for our our sins. Uh, so that's the justice side. And then the grace side is this, that that payment for the, of the penalty for our sins can be applied to our account. It is, Paul uses the term, imputed uh, to us. Uh, by grace alone, which is by an absolutely undeserved kindness, indeed a kindness contrary to what we have deserved. And the way that we receive it is by faith alone, not by doing any kind of good works to earn it. Now, if we don't understand the difference between justice as you know, what we've deserved and grace as what we not only haven't deserved, but a benefit that is contrary to our deserts. If we don't understand that distinction, we can't understand the gospel. 
and the real gospel disappears. Uh, and that's the that's the most important reason why I am so concerned about the, the, the social justice movement is that it undermines the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, you know, Paul was concerned about our, our, you know, looking after the needs of the poor around us. He was concerned about looking after widows and orphans. Uh, he was concerned about our doing justice. But there's only one issue about which Paul said, if somebody disagrees with me on this, let him be damned. Let him be under the divine curse. And that was the gospel in Galatians 1.8. He said, though we, there are, we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than that which we have preached, let him be anathema, under the divine curse. Damned, right? Uh, that means the gospel is really pretty doggone important. And uh, anything that is going to undermine it, any anything that is going to uh, to... Uh, obscure it and and make it unclear to other people is a serious serious problem that we all as Christians need to need to take take guard against. Yeah, yeah, I, and I think and I think one of the really one of the really big concerns that I have, especially dealing with this issue of understanding justice and things like that, is just how how many evangelical pastors, how many Christian pastors have actually been going out pushing this warped. Yeah understanding of justice and the thing is is that it yes. seems like it seems like it's all rooted in in compassion at least i hope it is but it, it's, is. it seems yeah. like it seems like it's rooted in compassion it's almost like their intentions are right but then they're leading people down the wrong path even though their yeah. intentions are are correct maybe and, and i think that, that that's that that i think is what is so surprising about today is you would think a lot of these pastors would know better because they've been studying God's words, studying the Bible, they understand yeah. what justice is, yeah. but then all of a sudden now it's like they they are parroting the talking points of like a Bernie Sanders interpretation yeah. of of justice. Yeah, exactly. And uh, this is why I titled the book the way I did: uh, Social Justice versus Biblical Justice: How Good Intentions Undermine Justice and Gospel. I, you know, I don't think that the folks involved here have any bad intentions in what they want to do. They are driven, as you said, by compassion. What I think is that they they are confused about the very meaning of justice itself, usually because they have never really done a careful study of how that word is used in Scripture. And they confuse justice with mercy or compassion. Uh, yet Micah 6.8 would not say, uh, he has shown you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God, unless justice and mercy and humility were different things. Now, they're not, they're not uh, things that are at war with each other, but they are distinct from each other. And when we confuse justice with mercy, which is what happens in the social justice movement, then not only do we undermine the gospel, which I think is the most important problem, but also we then begin to embrace policies in the name of mercy or compassion that actually do injustice to people that we kind of forget about in the equation. You know, we'll talk all about the need of the person to whom, for example, we want a government program to funnel 
uh, help. And we don't remember that there are persons from whom the government must take something that belongs to them in order to do that. And so what happens is that this, this misunderstanding of justice uh, results in our saying that people have a right to various benefits, positive rights, whereas proper rights are rights against harm. They are what we would call negative rights in ethical analysis or in, in legal philosophy. Uh, negative rights, rights against harm, are mutually consistent. You know, uh, you don't have to violate any of my rights in order to stop me from punching you in the nose, <laughs> right? Uh, because I don't have a right to punch you in the nose. But I might have to violate your right to property to, to get property taken from you and given to me if you don't willingly, voluntarily want to do that, you see. So uh, the, the whole social justice notion winds up, winds up leading to that kind of a confusion and to actual injustice uh, to some people. Stevenson University Online is a leader in forensic education for law enforcement, legal, and cyber investigations. If you are preparing for career advancement or career change, investigate our online master's programs in forensic science, CSI, forensic accounting, forensic investigations, and cybersecurity and digital forensics. New online sessions start every eight weeks. No application fee or GRE required. Visit stevenson.edu slash online. Bank of Clark County is making it easy to give to local charities. We're featuring a different one at each of our Bank of Clark County locations. To find out how you can support their good work, visit our website at www.bankofclark.bank or follow us on our social media channels and the hashtag GiveWithBOCC. Happy Holidays from all of us at Bank of Clark County. Member FDIC. The holidays are a moment of togetherness and joy and a reminder of how tradition creates happy and fulfilled communities. Make this holiday season patriotic with a visit to National Harbor and its stunning new Spirit Park. Marvel at one of the largest American flags in the region and beautiful displays of American art. Make this holiday season the most meaningful of all at National Harbor. Learn more at nationalharbor.com dash spirit park. Yeah, and, and it and it seems like there is this there is this certain level, and and again, I I think it's unintentional to a certain degree, but there's a certain level of view of people being some are more valuable or less valuable, and if you're more valuable, we need to take away your wealth or your resources and give to the person who's not as valuable, and and I think it's almost creating this this unintentional whether it's racist or bigoted mentality of saying, because of your skin color, because of your gender, you have a disadvantage and it's creating this kind of victim yeah. mentality. Um, and I, I don't, I don't, I'm not necessarily saying that like, especially pastors that are diving into this and falling into this, that this is their motivation or their reasoning, but it seems like that's the logical conclusion is now you are putting value on somebody based on these intrinsic, um, you know, traits of somebody. Sure. And, yeah. And, and I, 
I, I see that as very dangerous and very antithetical to the gospel. Yeah, I do. Um, to, to the gospel, to uh, to uh, social cohesion, to frankly, people living at peace with each other. Uh, what it does is it stirs up resentment. It it uh, focuses on what divides us rather than on what unites us, um, and and I think that's all dangerous. You know, just just recently, uh, a group put out a new statement uh, called pro-life evangelicals for Biden that, uh, that, that says, look, uh, we are all pro-life, um, and, and we're firm on that issue, but we think that things like poverty and, uh, lack of adequate access to healthcare and smoking and climate change and, uh, racism these are all pro-life issues too. And uh, Biden lines up more with our thinking on those issues than does Trump. Now, regardless for whom somebody is going to vote, that kind of an argument needs to be looked at rather carefully. You can look at all of the standard dictionaries, look up the term pro-life. And every one of them defines it in terms of opposition to abortion. Now, there's something very important to recognize about, about abortion. In abortion, every successful procedure results in the intentional killing of a human being. Not in, you know, some minor or even major reduction of, of health. Uh, and certainly not in the accidental killing or uh, uh, reduction of health of, of some human being, in the intentional killing of a human being. Now, in poverty, in uh, smoking, in uh, climate change, in uh, lack of adequate access to health care, uh, in racism, these things may indeed, in some instances, lead to some reduction in, in physical health. Uh, they, they, uh, they might even, in a few instances, lead to death. But in none of those instances do you have an intentional killing of a human being. And, you know, in all my years as a seminary professor... <laughs> Uh, teaching ethics, uh, teaching the course in ethics required for all of our pastoral candidates. Uh, I never saw an easier distinction to make between intentional and unintentional acts on the one hand and between killing on the one hand and uh, perhaps reducing uh, someone's health. On the other hand, those are very, very clear. I mean, that's that's first week of ethics 101 in seminary. Uh, and unfortunately, we have these people who are calling themselves pro-life evangelicals for Biden who are failing to make that fundamental distinction. And just as the social justice movement wrongly defines justice, and sets it off against biblical justice, so also the so-called consistent pro-life movement, right? which 
uses the very innocuous uh, language that's saying, yeah, human life is sacred from from womb to tomb. Okay, that's of course that's true. And what it entails is that we should never intentionally kill another human being except with just cause. And of course, Scripture gives us one just cause. Whoever uh, whoever uh, sheds man's blood, by, by man shall his blood be shed, Genesis 9, 6. Uh, just warfare, self-defense, these are instances in which you might intentionally take another person's life, and it wouldn't be wrong to do it. But in the, you know, to, to just simply do it willy-nilly, of course, is wrong. But, you know, to say that opposition to climate change or opposition to abortion or support for universal health care or support for a universal basic income, to call those things pro-life is to make that simple, simple elementary uh, mistake of failing to distinguish between intentional acts and accidental acts or even totally unintended consequences on the one hand. And it's also to make the mistake of failing to distinguish between killing and perhaps doing some much lesser harm. And so this, this so-called pro-life, uh, you know, whole pro-life uh, movement undermines the meaning of pro-life. And so it, it also undermines the pro-life movement and it makes it more difficult then for us to bring into positions of, of uh, uh, authority where we might actually change some laws, people who are truly pro-life. I mean, imagine for a moment that Biden wins the election and look at his platform. He is 100% in favor of no restrictions on a woman's so-called right to have her unborn baby killed any time from conception right up to an instant before birth. Can you imagine that with him and with others of his party in power, we are going to see uh, any legal restrictions on the intentional killing of children uh, in the womb in this country? No, I can't. Uh, so and this is why uh, also I wrote another booklet uh, <clears throat> excuse me, called How the Creation Care Movement uh, Undermines the Pro-Life Movement uh, or Threatens, How the Creation Care Movement Threatens the Pro-Life Movement. And in it, I deal with one particular uh, evangelical creation care organization that has really made a, a, a major point of saying, look, Creation care, especially about climate change, is a pro-life issue. And so I show why this is, in fact, not the case and why this threatens to undermine the pro-life movement. That booklet, too, you know, frankly, if, if, uh, if somebody will make a donation of any size to the Cornwall Alliance, again, we will send that booklet free of charge uh, as our way of saying thanks. So, again, cornwallalliance.org, cornwallalliance.org. Click on the donate button, fill out the donation information, and then in the uh, comments field, just just ask for how does the creation care movement threaten the pro-life movement? 
Yeah, and it's it's such an important uh, distinction to make as well when it comes to like definitions of words. And I feel like one of the things that we've really seen over the last few years, especially, um, is the redefinition of terminology and words by the left. And you know oh, that, that absolutely. It, and it it goes with the pro life side of things. It goes with uh, it goes even down to the definition of rape when it came to Me Too. It comes down to the definition yeah. of racism, white supremacy. Nazi, Hitler, even you know, it's like we see, we see these redefinitions. Well, the latest, the latest, of course, Jeff is uh, the definition of pack the court. That's very true. <laughs> yeah, That's very back true. In, back in the in the Roosevelt administration, you know, the FDR administration, when the Supreme Court wasn't rendering rulings that FDR liked for his New Deal, uh, he threatened to. Uh, add a whole bunch more justices to the Supreme Court, picking only people who agreed with him about the uh, the uh, uh, New Deal. And uh, that got termed packing the court. Well, now uh, Biden and others on the Democrat side have said that Trump is trying to pack the court by having nominated a replacement for a deceased member of the of the court. Now, that's what every president has done all along, and that's what every president is is supposed to do, is to nominate replacements for uh, justices who retire or die. Uh, so, you know, Humpty Dumpty said, when I use a word, it means whatever I want it to mean. Uh, that's just, you know, that's exactly what's happening here. Yeah, and, and I think, and I think to a certain degree, that's that's a really big reason why um, I think a lot of these uh, terminologies and a lot of these belief systems have really taken hold, even within the Christian Church, is that a lot of people they don't do their research. They hear they hear the certain words, like right. for example, they they'll hear pro life, right? And so be right. like, okay, well, this is a pro life organization. I can support them. I trust them. I'll go along with what they're saying. And you can point to a whole a host of other issues that are very similar. But it's always yeah. these redefinitions that that trip us up, and that that and I think that that's where there's such such little resistance to a lot of these leftist um, viewpoints. Yeah, uh, one of my favorite quotes of all time, and this is the, this is the kind of thing that most people will just think, oh, that's nerdy, uh, <laughs> but uh, it was by the Christian philosopher Gordon H. Clark, and and he wrote. <laughs> actually somewhere deep in his book, Religion, Reason, and Revelation, he said, strict definitions and strict adherence to them are essential to intelligible communication. And that's so, because if you and I are using the same sound, we're making the same sound with our voices, but we mean very different things by it, we will misunderstand each other, and not necessarily because either one of us is is uh, trying to confuse or deceive the other. So we need to define our terms carefully. And unfortunately, there is a whole movement that is dedicated to not doing that. In fact, in fact, the uh, the, uh, the the woke movement, particularly the uh, the the white privilege, uh, white guilt, white fragility movement, uh, and the, the uh, movement in opposition to so-called male hierarchy specifically defines, <laughs> which is rather ironic, defines the insistence on strict definitions and the insistence on logic as white male supremacy 
values. <laughs> Gee whiz. Uh, you know, all right, so let's assume that's the case. Then, therefore, anything can mean anything, and logic isn't important. So if somebody from that movement says, well, look, your insistence on careful definitions and on, on valid logic is just white male supremacy in action, then I can reply, oh, I see. What you're saying is that my insistence on careful definitions and, and valid logic is universal truth for everybody. And the person goes, that's the opposite of what I said. And I said, and then I say, well, but according to what you said, it's perfectly fine for me to redefine everything you said. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, and that, and that's the crazy thing is that like, like, for example, like, again, out here, I'm out here in communist California and, you know, you can't walk 10 feet without bumping into a liberal. And, and the thing is, is that w when it comes down to it, like I'm, I'm hearing a lot of people saying, well, that's white supremacy. That's your male privilege. This is this is rooted in white supremacist colonialism. And you're talking about you're talking about like what kind of food you eat. And it's 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 this craziness. But people are buying this. Like, what is it about our society today where millions and millions of people are buying into this garbage? Stevenson University Online is a leader in forensic education for law enforcement, legal, and cyber investigations. If you are preparing for career advancement or career change, investigate our online master's programs in forensic science, CSI, forensic accounting, forensic investigations, and cybersecurity and digital forensics. New online sessions start every eight weeks. No application fee or GRE required. Visit stevenson.edu slash online. Bank of Clark County is making it easy to give to local charities. We're featuring a different one at each of our Bank of Clark County locations. To find out how you can support their good work, visit our website at www.bankofclark.bank or follow us on our social media channels and the hashtag GiveWithBOCC. Happy Holidays from all of us at Bank of Clark County. Member FDIC. This holiday season, pay tribute to the people who fought for our freedom to celebrate. Featuring the largest American flag in the region, Spirit Park is now open at National Harbor, honoring active duty military and veterans. Take some time this holiday to remember, offer gratitude, and be inspired by the sacrifices of our service men and women who make our way of life possible. Plan your visit at nationalharbor.com slash spiritpark. That's nationalharbor.com slash spiritpark. Uh, boy, uh, what exactly lies at the root of this? Um, you know, in in a, a fairly simple historical analysis sense, one could simply point to the Frankfurt School of, of uh, cultural Marxism, the intentional uh, undermining of basic values of uh, Western thought, uh, what we might call Christian thought, uh, values of uh, the importance of truth, the importance of logic, the importance of clear definitions, the importance of impartiality and how we treat other people, all of these sorts of things. Uh, the Frankfurt School sets out intentionally to, uh, to destroy all of that and to replace it with a postmodern uh, uh, kind of a social justice approach. So we can look at that in terms of the history of ideas, I suppose, 
But in the end, as Christians, I think we need to look a little more deeply than that. Uh, Jesus says that the devil is a liar. He's been a liar from the beginning. Uh, in Genesis 3, we see him lying to Eve, telling her that if uh, she'll eat of the no- a tree of the knowledge of good and evil, she will become like God, knowing, that is, getting to determine good and evil. Uh, uh, we read in Proverbs, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, darkness light and light darkness. Uh, you know, we have to recognize that there is a spiritual uh, undergirding to this. Uh, there is a spiritual warfare act uh, aspect to all of this. And for that reason, we need to not only confront this kind of thing with logic and good argument, we need to confront this kind of thing with diligent prayer. Uh, I mean, very, very serious, fervent prayer, because uh, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but are spiritual uh, to the tearing down of strongholds and the the uh, the refutation of every argument that sets itself up against God. Uh, so, you know, that's what I think is really at the root of it. Uh, yeah, and, and, and I think it's important too that I think. I think a lot of times we get wrapped up in in the politics of everything and in the physical world and all that kind of stuff. But I really feel like a lot of what we're seeing is it's it really is rooted in a spiritual battle as well. Um, You know, and, and, you know, you you even just look at the Democrat platform. It's very anti-God. It's very it's very anti anything biblical. It's redefining biblical terminology. It's redefining, um, you know, virtually everything that we're supposed to stand for as Christians and yet there's still I, I think I think I saw was it like th- a third of evangelicals are supporting Joe Biden, supposedly, according to the poll. And who can really trust polls anymore? I have no idea. Uh, <laughs> who knows? But right. But according to yeah. the poll, a third of evangelicals are supporting uh, Joe Biden for president. And so then you start yeah. getting into this and you're like, as Christians, we're failing, like not even like I get the yeah. secular world buying into this stuff because they don't have the Holy Spirit in them. But Christians, evangelicals, people that should know better are also getting deceived by this too. And I think this is where we as Christians need to make sure we understand uh, truth, absolute truth, uh, the proper definitions and all that kind of stuff as well. Yeah. um, You know, we might first uh, just sort of back up a little bit and ask what it means for somebody to be an evangelical nowadays. Uh, because there are an awful lot of folks who call themselves evangelicals um, who really are are pretty well in the dark as to just very basic fundamental elements of uh, the Christian faith, of biblical doctrine. Uh, uh, not long ago, I think a, a few months ago, the Ligonier Ministries released the results of a uh, poll that it has taken uh, every few years among self-professed evangelicals. And it asks them various different questions to try to find out how solid they are on just very basic doctrines. This is not, you know, they're not asking, you know, what do you think of, of the doctrine of perichoresis of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? You know, nobody's ever heard the word perichoresis. No, this is, uh, do you believe that Jesus Christ is God? 
well, you know, not 100%, but a pretty high percentage of evangelicals think that he's God. Then they're asked, do you think that Jesus Christ is the first and greatest creation of God? And surprisingly enough, a fairly high percentage of evangelicals say yes. Now, there, there are all sorts of other situations, too, where evangelicals, self-professed evangelicals, don't know the most basic things of biblical doctrine. So if they're not going to know those most basic things, why should we think that they would be any better informed on other more, more sort of difficult issues? Uh, but then what I think also happens is that an awful lot of, of uh, evangelicals, really, um, they have a tough time uh, getting past issues about somebody's personality, issues about somebody's personal moral life. Uh, and I think that's it's appropriate for us to look at somebody's personal moral life. And I think that character does matter in elected officials. But character is one of several different things that we need to take into consideration in determining for whom we might vote. And so what I see is is a lot of, of evangelicals, especially younger evangelicals, and maybe we can chalk this up to the fact that they haven't been around quite long enough yet to find how thoroughly uh, made of clay are the feet of all of their own heroes, including themselves, right? Uh, and and so, you know, they they might just think, well, of course, we need somebody who's just pure as the driven snow. Well, in that case, you know, try to get Jesus on the ballot. Uh, but if you don't, you don't have a choice. But they'll look at somebody like Donald Trump, whose personal moral character, at least up until, you know, uh, four, six years ago or so, and in many ways, in terms of his rhetoric now in office, the way he talks about people with whom he disagrees, that personal moral character is is pretty doggone objectionable. And uh, it's why I opposed him throughout the 2016 primaries uh, and why even after he got the nomination, I opposed him for a while. But then as, he, as we came closer to the election, I realized, you know, we don't elect just a person to be president. We elect a package. And that package includes a president, a vice presidential running mate, a party platform, relationships with members of Congress for the next four years. Uh, it involves the roughly 3,000 appointments to various different executive branch offices that will be made by the president within about 90 days after inauguration. It involves judicial appointments uh, everywhere from from district courts to the Supreme Court. Um, it involves a whole list of specific policies on economics, on health care, on, on uh, uh, housing policy and religious liberty policy, all sorts of things like this. All of those things constitute the package and every one of us is forced with uh, to, to to confront choices every day, where we say, "Okay, I I prefer this whole package, even though I don't like this particular element of it." Uh, and and that's what we're for, uh, facing in every election, not just 
this election between Trump and Biden, but in every election, people will be uh, they'll, they'll be upset about the notion that, well, hey, I don't want to participate in evil by voting for this man who has these immoral characteristics. Well, uh, fair enough. Uh, but we're not just voting for that man. We're voting for the whole package that comes with him. And he might be the price that we're willing to pay to get the rest of the package, right? But second, the person who says, I refuse to vote for the lesser of two, of two evils, forgets that unless Jesus and Satan are on the ballot, we don't face a choice between the perfectly good and the perfectly evil. Every human being is fallen. Every human being is a sinner. Therefore, every being, human being is evil to some extent. I am. You are, Jeff. Sorry to have to inform you, although I doubt that you'll argue <laughs> with me. Uh, I'm with you. But every, every human being is evil to some extent, and every human being is good to some extent. Even Hitler was good to some extent. He really cared about cruelty to animals. Honestly, he truly did, and he made sacrifices to prevent cruelty to animals. I think that was a good thing about Adolf Hitler. Now, he was horrendous in all sorts of other ways, right? Uh, but that means that in every instance, when we step into the ballot booth, we are facing a choice between two evils that is the same as a choice between two goods, that is, the lesser of two evils means exactly the same as the greater of two goods. And if you're willing to vote for the greater of two goods, then by definition, you're also willing to vote for the lesser of two evils. Yeah. That's what we're stuck with this in, in this fallen world, unless Jesus is on the ballot. And I haven't seen a ballot with his name on it. Yeah, last last I checked. Although I'm sure that there's a there's a handful of people that will write him in, uh, you know, okay. in, every, in every election. Uh, but yeah. but 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 I think specifically when it comes to this issue of of Donald Trump, and it seems like, and like you were saying, people can't get past his personality. And and it's really interesting too talking to a lot of my more progressive friends or liberal friends, where yeah. where they may agree with something that he does. But they can't get past the way that he talked about it, or or yeah. or yep. or they liked Obama because when there was a tragedy, he had a tear in his eye, and you felt like he was going to come hug you. But they don't feel that emotional connection to a Donald Trump. And I think to yeah. a certain degree, yeah. even as Christians, we have to figure out how do we get past that and get back to the platform, get back to the issues, because yeah. I feel like this is this is that moment in American history. Where the, where each platform is so different, it's a stark contrast. Like Joe Biden's probably got the most progressive platform that that I've ever seen, and Do, and Donald Trump is pretty pro America, pretty pro freedom. It's a stark contrast. We have a choice, but it's like people can't get past the personalities. Yeah, and you know one of the one of the great, <laughs> I, I always you know get these weird sources for things, but. Uh, uh, a man named R.C. Trench, uh, back in the 19th century, wrote a book called Synonyms of the New Testament. And in the preface to that book, uh, for whatever reason, he wrote that hell is paved with good intentions is the queen of the Proverbs. 
All right. Now we more we more typically hear that as the road to hell is paved with good intentions, but the original version was hell is paved with good intentions, and and what that is it's a it's a reminder to us that good intentions are no substitute for good policy, for actual good outcomes. Uh, you know, people hear the phrase the law of unintended consequences and. That's a really harsh law because what it says is the choice you make will have the consequences it has regardless whether you want those consequences or not. What that means is that we have to be really careful to ensure that we have looked carefully at the, at the concrete outcomes of the policies that we, that we en- endorse. Uh, similarly on this, the, the black economist Walter Williams in his book, The State Against Blacks, in which he, he examines all kinds of different federal policies that were supposed to help black Americans. And he shows that in every single instance, it's, it's not even, it's not even 80% or something like that. 100% of the instances, every one of those policies, no matter the good intentions behind them, had the exact opposite consequences from what were intended. And so in an end note to that book, earlier I quoted a preface, here's an end note. He wrote one of the most brilliant sentences I've ever read. He said, truly compassionate policy requires dispassionate analysis. That is, if I'm going to find out the kind of policy that really truly helps I have to set my passions aside, not permanently, not throughout my life, okay, but in making the determination, what will this policy really do? I have to forget my passion for the consequence I want and replace it with dispassion in looking at the actual effects of the policy. That's really hard to do, uh, but it's something that all of us as Christians need to train ourselves to do. Uh, it's actually an application of 1 Thessalonians 5.21, where Paul says, test all things, hold fast what is good. So if I say, well, I'm, I'm wanting, wanting to do this in order to, uh, to, to help people of color in America, that's a totally no, noble motive. That's a wonderful idea. But let's carefully look at whether this will really help or whether it might instead hurt. You know, I want to defund police to help black Americans in the inner city. Boy, go talk to some black Americans who live in the inner city. Ask them if they want more or less police protection. (laughs) They want more, not less. And they want it because they know they need it. Yeah. And again, it comes back to, you know, the way that it's, the way that a lot of these policies are always uh, put out there is that you either have to support this or you're against whatever class of people that they're, that they're targeting, whether it's black Americans, women, you know, whatever it is. And, you know, and we're getting now to where we're, get, we're getting back to this redefinition of 
bigotry and racism and all that kind of stuff. And they'll say, if you don't support defunding the police, that means that you're racist. If you don't yeah. support racial reparations, that means that you're racist. It's, it's this constant thing. So then as even as Christians, how do we overcome those kinds of arguments and those kinds of accusations? Because it seems like that's the thing that everybody's so terrified of being labeled those, even though it's a mislabeling yeah. and, a, and a bad definition. Yeah. Uh, you know, how, how do we how do we respond to those things? Well, on the one hand, we can say, look, we bring out the facts as well as we can. And we hope that those facts will persuade people. Yeah, um, but unfortunately, facts don't always persuade people all that well. Uh, what else can we do? Well, we can remind people that attacking somebody's character is no substitute for a fact-based and logical defense of a particular position or fact-based and logical critique of another position. Uh, we can do that. Um, but again, there are an awful lot of people who are thinking more with their feelings than with their, with their intellects. And those, those tactics, sad to say, don't always work terribly well. Um, in the end, Jeff, I think what we need to show is real love. Um, love rejoices in the truth, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 13. But love is also patient and kind. It's not easily offended. It doesn't keep record of wrongs. And so, as you and I suffer the attacks of those who question our compassion because we reject some particular policy. We need to not be easily offended by that. We need to be patient with it. Uh, we need to not keep a record of that wrong that somebody else has done. And we just, just need to show ourselves to be like Jesus. You know, He was the one in whom all of the characteristics of love in 1 Corinthians 13 were embodied he was the one who embodied all of the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, self-control, uh, faith, uh, all of these things. Jesus embodied them, and, and we need to be like Jesus. We need to be winsome to those who think they disagree with us and who just might discover, if they, if they got into a, a, a peaceable dialogue with us, might discover that we actually hold a whole lot more in common than they think. Stevenson University Online is a leader in forensic education for law enforcement, legal, and cyber investigations. If you are preparing for career advancement or career change, investigate our online master's programs in forensic science, CSI, forensic accounting, forensic investigations, and cybersecurity and digital forensics. New online sessions start every eight weeks. No application fee or GRE required. Visit stevenson.edu slash online. Bank of Clark County is making it easy to give to local charities. We're featuring a different one at each of our Bank of Clark County locations. To find out how you can support their good work, visit our website at www.bankofclark.bank or follow us on our social media channels and the hashtag GiveWithBOCC. 
Happy holidays from all of us at Bank of Clark County. Member FDIC. Yeah, and I, th- I think that's an important reminder too. Just just in general, I think you know, with America, with Americans in general, I think I think a, a vast majority of Americans agree on the majority of our freedoms and liberties and things that are provided yes. for us in the Constitution. If you take away the personalities, and I, and I think yep. that that's that's something that's important. And then I think I think the same goes to a certain degree within within Christianity because there is a lot of division based on personalities and which path do you follow and all that kind of stuff but at a certain point if we can take all that away and get back to the truth and get back to facts and get and get back to scripture or the constitution in the United States sense I think we could actually make some progress it's just a matter of get, getting so. to that point yeah yep civil discourse is very important and unfortunately it's a fairly rare thing today and and we need to be, I think, at the uh, at the forefront of renewing that. Yeah, absolutely. So, okay, so uh, Dr. Cal, how can people be following you? What you're writing? Uh, you know, get more information and all that kind of stuff. Okay, uh, I'm the national spokesman and the founder of the Cornwall Alliance for the Stewardship of Creation. Uh, they can go to cornwallalliance.org. That's Cornwall alliance.org uh, they can also follow us on facebook cornwall alliance for the stewardship of creation has a page and we have a youtube channel cornwall alliance for the stewardship of creation uh, we have a lot of videos we have uh, some major scholarly papers and lots and lots of shorter articles and we have a, a variety of different books booklets videos uh, D- dvds and the like uh, on, available on our online store cornwallalliance.org slash shop. Uh, so they can go to those uh, and and uh, just just uh, perhaps follow uh, follow me on uh, Facebook as well. I have my own Facebook page, E. Calvin Beisner, uh, on Facebook. So those are all ways to do that. And again, I'll 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 just repeat if I if I may that uh, for the listeners to this show, we will be glad to send a free copy of either social justice versus biblical justice or how does the creation care movement threaten the pro-life movement uh, as our way of saying thanks for a donation of literally any size, doesn't matter how small, uh, to the Cornwall Alliance. To request that, just go to cornwallalliance.org, click on the donate button, fill out donation information, and then in the comments field, write either social justice or Creation care movement threatens the pro-life movement. Yeah, and, and we'll and have we'll send the booklet. Yeah, and we'll have all the links and all that kind of stuff uh, in in the video and in, in the show notes. So definitely make sure you guys go, uh, you know, click there, go to the website, uh, check that out, support them as well. Uh, but Cal, I really appreciate you coming on. Had had a blast diving into this. It's, it's always fascinating dealing with a lot of these kind of kind of current events and and what's going on, but really diving into the mentality behind it. I think it's so important for us to understand. Thank you very much for the privilege, Jeff. I, I really appreciate it and uh, appreciate your your educational work in the Christian community. It's solid stuff. Well, thank, thank you very much. Really appreciate that. And then everybody else as well, just a reminder, uh, if you guys would like to uh, support what we're doing here at, with the Gatekeepers, you guys can go to gatekeepersonline.com slash plugged in. Uh, that's our membership program. Uh, with that, you're going to get access to our the recording of our Destroy Social Justice Conference. Um, you'll get access to uh, the ebook version of our book Social Injustice, which deals with a lot of stuff we were talking about today. 30% off of everything in our, in our online bookstore, all that kind of stuff. So go to Gatekeepers 
patreon.com slash plugged in. Again, it's just a simple way you guys can help support us uh, a little bit as well. And then, uh, yeah, thanks so much for tuning in, and we will catch you guys next time. Bank of Clark County is making it easy to give to local charities. We're featuring a different one at each of our Bank of Clark County locations. To find out how you can support their good work, visit our website at www.bankofclark.bank or follow us on our social media channels and the hashtag GiveWithBOCC. Happy Holidays from all of us at Bank of Clark County. Member FDIC.